own conscience. Often when a king or a ruler or whoever makes these demands, even a government, even a big government such as the United States of America, right? Often when they make these demands, they try to get individuals to conform by intimidating them, by using what we might call fear. I'm thankful, by the way, for those churches primarily in California that stayed open. And they said, hey, we have to obey God in this matter, and thank God he worked it all out for them. But in the midst of it, it was challenging. But they chose to obey God rather than men. Sometimes taking a stand can bring fear into the lives of God's people. We need not fear. We need to exercise faith in believing God no matter what. In Hebrews chapter number 11 and verse number 27, the Bible says this. Hebrews 11 verse 27, by faith he, we're looking again at Moses, by faith he, Moses, forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Verse 28, through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. I want to ask this, answer this question this morning. As we look at the phrase found in verse number 27, the Bible says that Moses, not fearing the wrath of the king. What does it take to do right in a society where the government or the authority is asking you to do wrong? What does it take to not be intimidated, to not have to fear, and by fearing, compromise? What does it take to not fear the king, to not be pressured into doing something that is contrary to the word of God? He feared not. Let's look at the word of God here this morning. Before we do, let's have a word of prayer. Lord, we love you today. Thank you for the privilege to love you. Thank you, Lord, that you're sovereign in control over all. Thank you, Lord, that we can know your mind. And Lord, we can obey you no matter what. Lord, I ask that you would help us this morning to not give in to fear. Lord, I pray that we would be kind and gentle and loving. But Lord, when we need to take a stand, we'd be willing to say, I cannot do this and disobey God and hurt my conscience. And I'm not going to be intimidated into doing wrong. We love you today. Thank you for the example of Moses. Meet with us now, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to give you four characteristics this morning that we see in our text. Number one, I want you to look at the phrase. The Bible says in verse number 27, by faith he forsook Egypt. Number one, it takes courage. It takes courage to fear not, to not be intimidated into doing something that you know is wrong. The word forsook obviously means to leave. It took courage for Moses to leave the palace. It took courage for Moses to leave because Moses could have been 
killed pretty quickly. All Pharaoh needed to do was say the word, and Moses would have been taken out. Now, we know, obviously, God's divine providence is at work here. But it took courage for Moses to make a decision that could have cost his life. Do you know what? We need to be bold. I think of Joshua when Moses had died and God raised up Joshua. And Joshua was going to be the one that he was going to use to lead the children of Israel into the promised land. It was a big task for Joshua. And God speaks to Joshua in Joshua chapter number 1. And he says, Moses, verse number 2, my servant is dead. You need to arise now and take these people. He gives them some promises. And then he says this in verse number 9. Have not I commanded thee? Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. The task was a big task. The task was an intimidating task because the nations that they would face would be bigger and more equipped to go to battle than the Israelites would. But God said, hey, you're on journey for me. You're on task for me. And so you need to be bold and you need to be courageous. In Daniel chapter number three, we read another story. As a matter of fact, I want you to turn to this one. Daniel chapter number three. And I want you to look at this passage of scripture. God's people were being, again, intimidated, you might say, uh, into bowing down to uh, an idol that was made. It was an idol, really a statue, you might say, of Nebuchadnezzar there in Daniel chapter number 3. Nebuchadnezzar was obviously the powerful leader. Nebuchadnezzar was uh, intimidating or sought to intimidate God's servants, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The Bible says in verse number 13 of Daniel chapter number 3, when Nebuchadnezzar found out that these three men were not bowing down to the image that he made, the Bible says that Nebuchadnezzar in his rage and fury commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The Bible says concerning the wrath of a king in Proverbs 16 and verse 14, The wrath of a king is as messengers of death. They show up, it is obvious on the eyes of Nebuchadnezzar. It is obvious concerning the situation how mad and upset the highest ruler of the land is. And he says, bring me these three Hebrew children. And they bring him in and he tells them again, basically, look, I'm going to give you another chance. I'm going to give you another chance to conform to what everyone else is doing. The Bible says in verse 16, I I love what they say here in verse 18. We'll get there in a minute. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answer and said unto the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. You're talking about big time intimidation. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had settled it in their heart. They had settled it in their heart and mind that they were going to serve the king of kings and lord of lords. They had determined beforehand that no matter what happens, our loyalty is to God. 
And when they were put in a situation where they had to conform or they were being intimidated to conform to the world and sin against their God, they said this, hey, we're not going to do it. They didn't know whether God was going to deliver or not. We read the story knowing that God delivered them. They didn't know it. And they said this, if not, we're okay. God is able to deliver us, but if not, if we have to die for our God, we're willing to do it. You see, it took courage to take a stand against Nebuchadnezzar. I don't know how you can get any more mad than what we read in verse number 13, but it seems like he gets more mad. Verse number 19, full of fury. In verse 13, his rage and fury, but now verse 19, he's full of fury. And what does he do? Turn that thing all the way up. Some of his great mighty men are burned, throwing the men into the fiery furnace, and God delivers. Courage, courage, boldness that comes from a love and a loyalty to our God. I'm thankful for the individuals and the states that are taking a stand in our country today. I read this week concerning answered prayer when it comes to uh, uh, this matter of gender. Uh, in, in, um, in Kansas, uh, the news reports, Kansas has become the first state to adopt a definition of gender with a passage of legislation that keeps men, no matter what gender they identify as, out of women's bathrooms, locker rooms, and other intimate spaces. I could give you all the details, um, but the reality is they define men and women as men and women should be defined based on how God created us. You see, we have to be willing to take a stand. We have to be willing to say, you know what, this isn't right. They, they didn't take a stand, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when I say in the flesh. They simply said, hey, we're, we're not careful to answer you. We're not going to bow down. We're going to obey God. And I think we need to make sure that our demeanor, that our attitude, that our countenance is Christ-like. But there are going to be times, I think, coming ahead, there are going to be times that we're going to have to say as God's people, I'm not trying to be mean, I'm not trying to be unkind, but I can't do that and let the chips fall where they may. God is able to deliver, but if not, we need to be courageous like Moses and saying, hey, I am not going to do that. Number two, go back to our text, Hebrews chapter number 11 and verse number 27 the Bible says this, By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured. Number two, fearing not the king takes courage, but fearing not the king takes endurance or perseverance or a persistence, a refusal to stop. One commentator said this, the word endured, is, only, is found only once in the New Testament. It is a strong word, a word which indicates strength or fortitude. To bear evils, undergo dangers with resolution and courage, so as not to faint beneath them, but to hold on to the end. 
The word endured speaks of Moses' great persistency. He did not quit, but his faith kept him going on in spite of all the obstacles in his path of duty. And the commentator said, faith makes one persistent. Now think about Moses. If you're familiar with the story of Moses in Exodus, as a matter of fact, go ahead and turn to Exodus chapter 5. I'll meet you there in just a minute. He had to endure or persist through two aspects I want us to see here this morning. Number one, Moses comes to Pharaoh in Exodus chapter number five. And he says, God wants me to come here to you to let my people go. And Pharaoh says, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice? We learned this morning in the Bible study hour, Pharaoh was kind of difficult to deal with. Pharaoh would say, oh, yeah, uh, uh, we're not going to do it. Oh, Moses, come back. Get these flies out of here. All right, we're going to, oh, he would change his, he would flip-flop back and forth. And Moses had to endure the, the, the issues with Pharaoh. But in Exodus chapter number 5, not only did Moses had to endure the issues with Pharaoh, he had to endure the issues with the people of God. By the way, I got a message in the crock pot that's, that's brewing. Exodus chapter number five. You're going to hear it sometime. It's just kind of brewing. Moses comes to God and says, this isn't working. I'm going to give you a little thought, and you have to come back whenever I'm going to preach it. I don't know when I'm going to preach it. And Moses says to God, what you're asking me to do isn't working. You ever feel like that? Oh, it's God's sweet. We feel like that on a regular basis. But any event, he comes to God and he says this to God in chapter number five and verse number 19. The Bible says, and the officers of the children of Israel did see that they were in evil case after it was said, ye shall not minish aught from your bricks of your daily task. And they met Moses and Aaron who stood in the way as they came forth from Pharaoh. So Moses and Aaron go to Pharaoh. Pharaoh makes it hard on the people of God. And they say, verse number 21, Lord, look upon you and judge because you have made our savor to be abhorred in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of his servants to put a sword in their hand to slay us. Moses goes to God and says, this isn't working. He says, since I came, verse 23, to Pharaoh to speak in thy name, he hath done evil to this people, neither hast thou delivered thy people at Oh, Moses had followers. They got bitter at him because they saw Moses as the problem. They said, you know what, ever since you came here, our work has been harder. We've had less supplies. We have more demands placed upon us. And now he has to endure the whining and the complaining of the people of God. You can read more concerning this in Acts chapter number 7. One of them asks Moses this. Who made you a judge over us? Who put you in charge of us? You think concerning Moses getting a call from God and going and God's people saying, you, you don't have any authority over us. But Moses kept on doing what God had called him to do. He was walking by faith. He was believing God no matter what. And God had given him a task to do. And he was committed to the task that God had given to him. You know, it is easy to feel like you want to quit. 
It is easy to feel resistance. You say, hey, I'm going to go out and read Sunday today. Oh, I'm going to go. And you go out and read Sunday, and you get out there, and you knock on the first door, and the guy says, get out of here. I'm going to call the police. You go, oh, the police? Whoa. By the way, maybe the police officer needs to be saved. Amen? <laughs> the reality is it is easy for us to want to quit. If anybody had an excuse to quit, Moses had an excuse to quit. But the Bible tells us in Hebrews 11 that he endured. He had persistence. He refused to give up even when things didn't go the way that he thought they should go. Paul told Timothy, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. The Bible says they that shall or will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Bible says, man that is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. Hey, life has a lot of challenges. You see, boy, sometimes the challenges are so big, Pastor, I don't know what to do. You know what? Sometimes I feel the same way. The challenges in life are so big, we don't know what to do. And what do we have to do? We have to recognize that we're to walk by faith, believing God no matter what. And even though we don't know how it's all going to turn out, Moses didn't know. Moses goes back to God, and he says, God, this isn't working. What you asked me to do is just not working. I'm facing all kinds of resistance on every end. But Moses decides, hey, I'm going to believe God no matter what, and I'm going to do what's right, and I'm going to persist, and God will deliver. And God does deliver. God does keep his promise. And we'll see this in just a minute as we look at the word of God. Fear not the king. Don't be intimidated into doing something that is disobedient to your God. It takes courage. It takes endurance. Write this down, number three. It takes vision. Look at our text, Hebrews chapter 11 And verse number 27, the last phrase says this, As seeing him who is invisible. We're not talking here about Moses being able to physically see. We're talking about Moses gazing his heart and his attention beyond what we can physically see. Beyond just the temporal, but he was looking at the eternal. He had vision. He had perspective. The perspective that would cause him to get his eyes off of himself, off of his own insecurities, off of the circumstances, to get his eyes off of the people of God that were whining and complaining, to get his eyes off of Pharaoh that was making life miserable. And he kept his eyes on God. You see, it is so important as we think concerning walking by faith, believing God. This world is not our home. We're just passing through. If you've trusted Christ as Savior here this morning, you have a home. The songwriter said, I've got a mansion just over the hilltop. Hey, we're strangers and pilgrims in this world. And we have to keep our mind focused on home, our real home. You ever been on a mission trip? 
Maybe we need to take one as a church. We're all going on a mission trip. Do you know what keeps you going on a mission trip? Well, first of all, the mission. I get that, the mission. But for me, I've been on some mission trips that I had to tell myself, pretty soon I'm going home. I'm going to my bed. I'm going to my shower. Amen. I'm going home. And the reality is someday we're all going home. And we've got to see him that is invisible. We have to live for eternity and not just live for the here and the now. The apostle wrote this in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as I am known. 1 John 3 and verse 2, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. The songwriter wrote, Someday life's journey will be o'er. And I shall reach that distant shore. I'll sing while entering heaven's door. Jesus led me all the way. You see, Jesus wants to lead every one of us all the way. We've got to keep our eyes on him and get our eyes off of the pain and off of the persecution and off of the problems that we have here in this in this life. They're not going to go away. As a matter of fact, evil's going to wax worse and worse until Jesus comes again. The challenges are going to get greater and greater until one day the trumpet sounds and heaven is split open and we meet the Lord in the air. And we've got to keep that on the forefront of our minds. Moses saw him that was invisible and we can do the exact same thing. In 1845... In the First Baptist Church of Augusta, Georgia, the Southern Baptist Convention was organized. As a tribute to the faith of the founding fathers, the church placed this inscription in the building. Men who see the invisible, hear the inaudible, believe the incredible, and think the unthinkable. As I say that again, men who see the invisible, hear the inaudible, believe the incredible, and think the unthinkable. Why? Because our eyes are on God and what he is able to do. Not on us and our own weaknesses and failures and and, and the issues that we have. Moses was a man with vision. He was a man who saw him who was invisible. By the way, revival in a nutshell, is really you and me living in the awareness of his presence. You see, when you got saved, you placed your faith and trust in Jesus. Somebody showed you the Bible and you recognized, well, Jesus died for me. I'm a sinner. I want to go to heaven. And you said, Lord, forgive me of my sin. I'm placing my faith, my trust, my dependence on you. And Jesus saved you. And you, maybe I'm sure you were excited and maybe you told some people about it. But what excited you was the fact that no matter what happens, I'm on my way to heaven. 
But when you got saved, not only did you get the assurance of heaven, but the Holy Spirit of God moved in. And your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And how often do we wake and go about our day and do our business and make decisions unaware of the reality of Christ in us? You see, revival is me understanding and living in the awareness of God is with me today. And God, today, I need you to help me as I seek to make decisions. God, I need you to help me to keep my focus on the fact that you're in control, on the fact that you walk with me and and talk with me and, and tell me that I am your own. What a tremendous truth. That God is with each and every one of us. There is no place we go. There is no problem we face that God does not face it with us. We frantic. We fear. We panic. And sometimes we need to take a time out. Wait a second, God, you're right here with me. You hear what that guy said? You hear what that guy did? Did you hear the news that the doctor just gave me? He heard it all. God, you're going to help me get through this. Seeing him who is invisible. Number four, lastly, I want you to see this. As we look at verse number 28. Verse number 28, the Bible says, Through faith he kept the Passover... And the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. Number four, I want you to see that it takes commitment. In Exodus chapter number, actually we should should turn there. Exodus chapter number 12, we'll turn there just briefly. While you're turning there, I want to remind us that what God was asking with regards to the Passover was a little bit of work, number one. But number two, it required faith. One commentator said this, The observance of the Passover was that which preceded the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt. That faith was prominent in Moses in observing the Passover is almost an understatement. Faith is prominent in every aspect of observing the Passover. Moses' faith never rose to a higher level than it did in observing the Passover and all that was involved. Another commentator said this, The institution of the Passover was an act of faith similar to that of Noah's preparation of the ark. You think concerning his preparation of the ark, the most astounding thing really is it had never rained before. You think about that. Commentator said it is similar in that it required Moses to do some things that the human reason look utterly ridiculous to tell the people to do their heretofore unheard of actions of slaying thousands of lambs and applying the blood of the lambs on the doorposts, plus give them orders concerning the the Passover itself and give them orders about leaven and the care of the food from the slain lambs. Everything seemed contrary to human reason. 
Furthermore, Moses had not yet been successful in freeing the Israelites from the Egyptians, so he could reason why would the people pay attention to these strange orders. Not only would the Egyptians think the people were acting strangely, but the Israelites could think the same thing and totally reject Moses' orders. Moses exercised what? Faith and gave the orders anyway. In Exodus chapter number 12, we're not going to read all of this. You see some of the, I just want you to see some of the instructions here. Uh, Look at verse number three. I'm just going to pop the first sentence of some of these verses. Speak ye unto the congregation of Israel. Verse four, if the household be too little for the lamb, let let them uh, 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 join with the neighbor. Verse five, your lamb shall be without blemish. Verse six, and you shall keep it up until the 14th day. Verse seven, they shall take of the blood and strike on the two side posts. And verse eight, they shall eat of the flesh in the night. Verse nine, eat not of it raw. Verse 10, and you shall let nothing of it remain until the morning. Verse number 11, and thus shall ye eat it with your loins girded. And then he tells them what he's going to do and tells them about the blood being a token. And, and humanly, this wouldn't make sense. But we do not see Moses arguing with God concerning the instructions that God gave him. We see Moses exercising faith in the word of God. Moses believed that God was going to send the angel just as God had said, and he would kill the firstborn of those that did not have blood on the doorpost. Now get this, this is really important. Moses knew that following the word of the Lord is what would bring deliverance. The word of God. Can I say this? Following the word of the Lord is still what brings deliverance today. As we think concerning the truth of God's word. And Moses didn't care if the people were going to react, how the people were going to respond. He didn't care concerning uh, 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 the Egyptians and what reactions they might have. We don't read, we don't know what all happened, but I can imagine people walking, people going in, see, see what those Israelites are doing? They killed all these lambs. It had to have some kind of a stench, a smell. And then they took this and they dipped the blood and they put it on, on the doorposts. People probably thought, these people are going crazy. They're going nuts. I, I can think, imagine some of the Israelites are going, I'm not sure why we're doing this, but Moses tells us to do it and God's going to do it. Can you imagine that, painting the doorposts with blood? You think, boy, something's wrong. But this was the word of God. And Moses was committed to the word of God no matter what. This is really sometimes where the challenge is. Somebody in authority intimidates the people of God. You can't do that. I've had people tell me, we're against soliciting. Because that's wonderful. So am I. I'm not soliciting. Oh, you're not? No, we're, we're giving stuff. to. We're inviting people to come to church. When people come to church, we give them a free gift. I don't think that's soliciting at all. People will do what they can. Listen, the devil doesn't want you witnessing. The devil doesn't want you taking a stand. The devil doesn't want you forsaking Egypt, as we learned this morning, a picture of the world and saying, hey, I'm coming out from among them and being separate. 
Hey, the devil doesn't want you to make a difference, but God has called us to be a light in a dark world. We're to let our light so shine. We are the salt of the earth. And the reality is what keeps us salting the earth and lighting the world is the truth of the word of God. If God said it, that settles it. And I'm going to believe it. And I'm going to be committed to what the word of God says. John Quincy Adams made this statement, and then we'll close. I have for many years made it a practice to read through the Bible once a year. My custom is to read four or five chapters every morning, immediately after rising from bed. It employs about an hour of my time and seems to me the most suitable manner of beginning the day. In what light, in what light soever we regard the Bible, whether with reference to revelation, to history, or to immortality, it is an invaluable and inexhaustible mine of knowledge and virtue. The Word of God. By the way, we read of history of individuals, believers, that were confined to a prison without a hard copy, but they hid the Word of God in their heart. And the meditation on word that was hidden in their heart is what kept them through the Word of God. Listen, we live in some challenging days that are only going to get more challenging. Moses lived in some challenging days. Moses recognized if I take a stand, it could be I give my life. But he feared not the king. I'm going to do what God wants me to do rather than conform to that which is against what God says in his word. And we need, in 2023, God's people that will be like Moses. And I'll say, you know what? No matter what happens, I'm going to believe God no matter what. May we ask God by faith to give us courage, to give us endurance, to give us a vision, and to give us commitment to his truth. Someday we'll stand before him. What a day that will be. Lord, we love you today. Thank you for Moses. Thank you for his willingness.